so Callum, welcome to the Hustling with Houses podcast, mate. Thank you for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you on. How are things with you? Yeah, firstly, thanks for having me, Callum. Appreciate it. Um, think things are all, all, all well with me. Thank you. Um, busy, as, as busy as I've ever been, which which is good. Um, twenty twenty four. Uh, it, it's I don't know if you've seen it pick up on your end, but um, I don't know. It just seems like there's a more activity starting to brew, um, which, which hopefully yeah, continues. Most definitely, mate. I've followed you for for, for years. To be honest, um, I reckon since you probably first started, because I followed you for quite a while. Because it interested me that you were actually a state agent. Because, like we mentioned before, I, I was an estate agent. And we spoke about that. So, for anyone who doesn't know you, could you give us a little bit of a, a backstory about yourself and where you sort of started and and what you what your sort of story is? Yeah, sure. So, um, I. I suppose first got into property through, um, you know, slightly sad circumstances. I, I inherited a, a small two-bed house um, where I'm from in um, sort of southeast London um, on the on the border of Kent, um, which sort of thrust property upon me. I hadn't really considered it before before then. Um, and when that happened, yeah, it sort of got the, the cogs turning and I started looking into to property more um and decided that i really wanted to sort of try and make something of it um and i'm very much a sort of i'm very much all or nothing and um you know have quite a big risk appetite i suppose and at the time that sort of happened um i'd just gone gone away traveling um so i had had time to think whilst i was away and, and when i got back you know jobless <laughs> unemployed and it's covid so this is 2020 so um I sort of were looking at my options and, and thought, well, well, my background is in is in sales, um, so so why don't I try and incorporate um, this new potential venture in, in property and um, combine you know that with my my sales skills and, and become an estate agent. Um, if I'm completely honest, um, I probably looked down on the role at that point as well. I know you were one, but. Um, I'd, uh, you know, if you'd have rewinded sort of two years, you know, three years, I was finishing sixth form, if you'd have told me, oh, you're going to be an estate agent in, in two years, I'd have been like, well, how's that happened? But, um, you, you know, I really took to the role and, and um, I did that in London for a year. And, you know, there was no reason to look down on it, but just that was my preconception because a lot of people don't like estate agents as well. Um so did that, you know, for a year in London, and and that was I was a letting agent, and 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 um, you know I spent a year listening to podcasts like 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 this, um, really trying to learn my trade, um, you know, probably not taking as much action as as I, I could have, you know, I'm in a different place now, but you know that that first point wasn't taking loads of action at all, but. Um, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that were in my position back then. Now, um, so yeah, um, just try to educate myself as much as possible. Um, I, I then came to the realization that you know I wasn't going to invest where I was from because it was just too too expensive. The barriers to entry were too high, and you know, started looking at the north, um, and just where I was I, I just realized that you know I, I wanted to go all in and I thought I, I just couldn't see myself investing from where I was up north um just just the 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 practicality issues 
So I just sort of thought, well, why don't I just move up there, um, experience a new city? Um, I chose Liverpool in the end um, because uh, it ticks boxes in terms of, you know, the property side of things, you know, it ticked the boxes, but also it wasn't too far from where I'm from. And, and, you know, part of the reason was, you know, I wanted it to have like a good nightlife and, and, you know, things to do there. I wasn't going to move to, I'm not going to name drop any, any towns in, in the north I'm going to get in trouble but you know oh. that, that is actually the first thing I thought of um, <laughs> oh, um, maybe even Burnley but yeah so I, yeah took, took the move yeah and um, didn't know didn't know anyone didn't know I, I had one mate that was going to uni in, in Manchester um, but that was the only person I sort of knew I'd, I'd been to Liverpool once so you could maybe even say it was a, I wouldn't say it was reckless, but you know, um, it, 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 yeah, it was sort of a, a bit of a risk, I suppose. I think it is a very, very ballsy move, mate, to, to just go from London to, to Liverpool, not knowing anyone there. It's quite, um, quite ballsy to say at the least, I think. Yeah. Um, it, it, it felt re- relatively natural at the time. And, you know, I was 23 or 20, 22, maybe. Yeah. 22. Uh, you know, I didn't have a, a girlfriend at the time, definitely no kids. Um, and the the reason, you know, I did it, I'm, I'm, I couldn't bear the fact. I, so I, I forced myself into it so that I gave myself no option but to, to do well. Not that I'm doing, you know, really, really well, but I, I could not bear the thought of, you know, moving up here and then not making something of it and then coming back with sort of, towel between my legs like that I used as fuel to 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 make sure I did well you know I forced myself into into a situation whereby I had no choice but to make something of it if that makes sense yeah yeah most definitely and I definitely think that you I think you're a bit hard on yourself mate you have done really well and you you're smashing it so um it's it's obviously worked your your, your plan um, and yeah. one thing I one thing I would like to ask, even though it wasn't sales down there, you were doing it was lettings. Um, I imagine quite a big difference in in London to Liverpool. Yeah, uh, agency. Yeah, I, I, so I was a letting agent there, and and that was a that was a hard graft. Um, you know, the company were um, a good company, um, but started at nine, finished at seven. Commute was. Uh, commute was like 45 minutes so I'd leave the house at 8 get back at 8 and it was in lockdown you know so I look back on it it was actually really tough Um, and it was um, very different to when I was was in sales when I moved to Liverpool it was very Mm. different you know a lot faster paced a lot more commission driven Uh, in in the office we would um, as soon as the phone rang like you'd be the first one to pick it up would get the lead sort of thing so you know it was a great environment to be in and one that I was used to being in sales and you know figures and it was cutthroat sort of thing people getting you know it wouldn't people would get let go sort of thing if they weren't hitting hitting targets so yeah um, a lot more relaxed (laughs) a lot more relaxed um, just for the specific firm I was working for when I moved up to to the northwest yeah I imagine the clientele a little bit different as well, um, but I I I, I absolutely loved I I loved the state agency like the sales side. I thought I've never never done lettings. It wasn't my wasn't my um, 
wasn't my thing to be honest. I'd never done it, but I thought I'd, I'd, I'd resonate with that. It was first to the phone. It was I loved all that shit though. I absolutely loved yeah. it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, um, it's difficult. I've always done, you know, sort of. Um, it's probably why I like sourcing so much. Like, like I just like doing deals. Um, you know, whether it's like hundred quid, no, no. It, in the northwest, I was getting like twenty quid commission for every house I I brought on. You know, I, I worked up to be a valuer, so it's it hardly anything, you know, but it was doing volume and just the, the, the doing, you know, doing deals is just, it, I get a bit of a buzz off it, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you thought about when, like, before you went in, before you went into a state agency, I, I for me, I kind of thought that, like, they were all into investing and all into developing, but it's not the case, is it? I don't know about where you were, but where I was, that was not the case. There might have been the old guy in there who, had a bit of you know a few quid and, and sort of got into the development side, but did you find that when you went in? Yeah, they they weren't. Um, yeah, so, so the, the company I joined, like some are more switched on than others. It, 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 I think it probably does depend from office to office, but I'd say definitely generally, they're not conversant with investing and, and property investing. Um, mm. it, you, yeah, they're not. They, they're not firstly motivated to, to do them themselves a lot of the time, like, like mm. buy properties, which is fine, you know, but you've got to realize that they're very low barriers to entry to, to yeah. join an estate agent. You know, there yeah. are no qualifications needed, which, you know, just a good attitude and, and you know, desire for sales. So therefore, you know, they, they, they don't really have a, a huge idea about investing. Um, yeah. You know, which is fine. Which well, sometimes it's it's helpful, and sometimes it, it you know it, you can bang your head against the wall when you're on the other side of it. Like it is very frustrating sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd say um, that you can use that to your advantage as as well. Um, you know, was when I first started learning about estate agents. You know, they get painted to be a, a you know taking gifts and taking donuts and all of that stuff i'm sure you've heard it before but you know that doesn't work and 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 it's actually it's actually a lot easier um and a lot more awkward to do it it just needs to be done naturally i don't know if you had it in your office but um if someone brought in donuts like someone especially from people down south when they come up north on their on their visit you know they're doing their viewings and they've got their accent and bearing in mind like this is you know i'm a southerner and like they walk in, most estate agents are, are cringing at that point, and they haven't, you know, even done anything. Let alone if they were to to ask for below market value deals and and all of that stuff. It's yeah. just a complete myth. Um, yeah. do, do, do you know what, mate? That makes me laugh. I'm laughing to myself here because, like, I I honestly second that massively. Like the amount of times people have come in, and especially like Liverpool, this area around here. Someone are coming with donuts, giving it all the blow market value, and people will just be like, as soon as he went out the door, you what another? Yeah, what another? The donuts and laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot well, easier to do though to, to build the relationship. Like it, it starts on it starts on the viewing. You know, um, it, it's just it, the relationship cannot be forced. Like most agents will, will see through it, or if it was me, you know, I'd see through it. You just have to build like a, a friendship sort of thing and. You know, even if you've not bought anything from them yet, when you're viewing, you know, you're being polite. Maybe after the viewing, you know, you can pop into the office and you, you need to get your face in there and your name in there so that they just sort of remember you a little bit and they remember you that you were quite nice. 
So even just, you know, asking details about the property, um, say you viewed it, you, you maybe popped in before the viewing or after the viewing. Like I do that now. I did some viewings, um, oh, Chorley or, or somewhere like that. And just before the viewing, you know, I, I went into the estate agents, just said, oh, um, I'm, I'm viewing this later. You know, can I get some details about it? And then just, you know, just built up a conversation just like that. And, you know, there was no, I wasn't asking for below market value deals. I just, you know, told them what I, I generally did. It was nice. They could see, you know, maybe I knew my stuff. And, and you just build up trust slowly that way. Um, and then as soon as, when you do get an offer agreed, it's just a little tip I would say. Um, when you do get an offer agreed, when you're calling up, you know, chasing for updates, whoever picks up the phone, try and build a conversation with them, some rapport with them. And then you'll quickly, your name will sort of be known in the office, um, mm. you know, as, as a nice guy, and, and, and your, your name will just be in their head. And then I'd say the most important bit of that, that the whole stage of buying a house is when you get the keys, at that point, when you collect the keys, buying them stuff at that point. Yeah. You know, because it's not done that much anymore. No one really buys estate agent stuff that much anymore. And it's at that point... I would be going all out. I'd be going to the office, get my face in there, saying hello to everyone, buying them each a you know a bottle or you know buying them a, a decent something decent. Because mm-hmm. um, then at that stage you've only bought one, but you will be right in their head, and you know they'll want to do you a favour. Um, yeah, hundred percent agree with that, mate. Like 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 we were saying, then with the the people are coming. Uh, I, I, I've been on like sort of property courses where they're saying all this thing, and then I remember thinking, "Wow, that must be the way." And then I remember working the state agent and seeing it firsthand, thinking, "Wow, this is definitely not the way to do it." And like, especially where we are, the northwest is kind of like, I don't know, just like it, 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 it is a bit different. Um, yeah, no, I agree. But how did you did you did you end up sort of when you were working in an agency? Did you end up building the network of of sort of invest? Obviously, you were taking investors round. They were probably trying to impress you, but you were probably maybe not idolizing them, but thinking, yeah. trying to get to sort of thing. Did that ever happen at all? Or yeah, so um, it, it did to, to some extent. Um, you know, I, I wasn't really necessarily trying to build you know i didn't have sourcing in my mind at that point mm. um so the only thing i was probably concerned about when it was other investors calling up was like i wonder why they're interested in this property and you know maybe take maybe taking a note of um what they are offering on uh, and that sort of thing but i think the reason why i i joined an estate agent was more because i thought that i was you know going to be able to secure loads of deals through the estate agents um you know which wasn't the case um you know it was very good for me you know working at an estate agents um for a variety of reasons but um you know looking back i probably thought that i was going to be able to find loads of below market value deals through working as an estate agent and bearing in mind i joined in like august 2022 um you know the market was was bonkers so there were no deals about you know there there weren't really many deals about at that stage um yeah so I, anyone that's um thinking about doing that you know becoming an estate agent i would just forewarn that don't be expecting loads of deals coming your way because it just it just doesn't work like that yeah do you know what though i i, well, for I, me, I anyway I, you might have had a different experience callum for, for yeah. me I, 
you know, that didn't particularly happen. I did buy one through the estate agents, um, but through a different branch. But yeah, I had no help on that, you know. Yeah. I bought a couple. I bought a couple through it, but again, that 2022 time, if, if that's when you joined, I've been, I've been doing it since maybe 2019. Oh, really? So all the time, and 2019 to 20. Yeah, 2022 was silly, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, was silly. So, like, yeah, it was, t- it was t- tough for anyone in that market. Like, any, there wasn't even viewings and stuff, was it? It was just yeah. the case, literally, things were getting sold left, right, and centre, which, in a, in a, if you're in a state aid, it's brilliant. But if you're looking for deals, then it was, it was pretty hard. But, um, so what, what, what are you sort of doing now, then? Because I know you're deal sourcing now. Yeah. How, of many skills, I imagine you, you were the value in, the estate agents the many i imagine a lot of the skills were transferable yeah so um i'd say arguably yeah one of the most um beneficial things out, out of having that um experience was was valuing so in an estate agents um as you'll know you'll, you'll start as a negotiator um which is the person that you know takes the calls book the, books the viewings and takes the offers etc um you know and in that stage um i think you'll learn about negotiation a little bit and managing vendors expectations which is similar to when you're a sourcer you know dealing with um the vendors you know leads that you're direct with um i have noticed that people that are relatively new to sourcing aren't great at that they struggle with um either giving bad news or negotiating and i definitely feel like uh, i, I learn um, some skills in negotiating through that. Um, but then once you've, after a negotiator, some people then will then be able to work up to become a valuer, um, where you go and value the houses and try and win the business. It was very salesy, to be fair, um, being a valuer. More than, the, more than the valuing, the skill of valuing, you know, isn't as difficult as the skill of trying to win the business. But it allowed me to yeah, be able to value properties um, pretty well. Um, I definitely think that that's benefited me, you know, where I'm at now, you know, I have a lot of confidence in being able to value assets from a variety of different angles. Um, yeah. whether that's, you know, uh, purely residential stuff, commercial stuff, um, you know, um, whether you're looking at the value that a valuer might value it at, as opposed to what you might be able to get on the flip, which is obviously different, um, so I definitely think that that's put me in 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 good stead. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, mate. I wish I um I wish I did the value inside. I when I went there, my whole plan was just to like you said, kind of pick up deals and just like I genuinely thought. I don't know why I was so naive, but I genuinely thought I'd learn everything about sort of investing there for some weird reason. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, um, I did. Learn, I learned, I learned a hell of a lot, and like you said, there's a lot of transferable skills. Yeah, looking back. Looking back, I wish I did the the value and they offered they offered me the like they offered me value roles and stuff like that and offered me training and I didn't want any responsibility. Ours ours was very it was quite it was stressful being a negotiator for me. It was just like especially yeah. to the market. Yeah, and they offered value roles and I didn't I didn't really want that responsibility. Yeah, um, I've seen a lot of people who were valuing in there and like the stress they got put under to bring houses on was really was, was, was so insane. My firm wasn't too bad in that regard. Um, yeah, you know, I, I did a d- decent job at it, but, you know, they weren't, like, really strict. Obviously, if you was really bad, then you'd probably get the boot. But, 
Um, They weren't like too strict on that. And, you know, I worked for a pretty good firm. So the name sold itself a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well, the firm I worked for really, really good. And they had some, they had some people in and, um, yeah, it was just, it was just a bit, there was different, different people in there and they were demanding a lot from like the values are amazing. They were bringing loads on and yeah, it was just, just, just mad. But so obviously now you're doing the sourcing, yeah. um, you're working with different investors and stuff like that. How's that been for you? And congratulations, by the way, on, on, on sort of going full time, probably that's a massive thing, mate. So congratulations to you. And- yeah, appreciate it. It's, um, it's almost been a, been a year now. So, uh, left the job, um, in April, um, 2023. Um, so I can give a little bit of context on that, I suppose, and, and where the sourcing came about. So um, I, I'd never had the intentions of sourcing, you know, um, I, I buy a property. Um, but I, 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 uh, I sort of took on a new mentor, um, Charlie Sullivan, um, who, you know, when we sat down at the beginning, we sort of set out over a 12 month period what, what I wanted to achieve. And, and the primary goal was to leave the job, leave the day job, um, and sort of do that as quickly as possible. So in, um, you know, establishing that goal, we sort of, we reversed engineered how we was going to get there. So I think I set a target of, you know, wanting to bring in, it's either like two grand a month or two and a half. Um, I've not really got too many expenses or I didn't at the time. So I set, we set that as a goal. And so we, so we broke it down. And originally, you know, I was going to, you know, I was going, well, I'll just buy BRRs and recycle the cash and, you know, and do it that way, which is a lot of people's um, intentions and goals. And, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, however, when you really break it down and you work out how long that is going to take to reach that two grand a month figure, um, it, it actually takes quite a while. So, um, you know, we, we thought, well, why don't you utilize and, and leverage your position as an estate agents? Um, you know, you, 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 you get deals and, um, you know, you, you know, investors and why don't you try sourcing? Um, so, you know, that's where it started. And that, that, you know, that was probably in October, um, of 2022. So really not been doing it that long. Um, and, you know, by the April 2023, I'd, I'd quit the job, you know, so that was like five months between, you know, starting with the coach. Now, that's not to say I was doing loads and loads of deals at that point, because I wasn't, but I had a pipeline. I, I don't actually think I'd, I'd completed on one deal um, by the time I quit my job. Again, this comes back to the whole risk thing. Um, <laughs> but I had a pipeline of, you know, the fees were like, 10 grand maybe so 10 grand worth of fees in my pipeline um and so i just thought well um if if i can get 10 grand worth of fees in my pipeline whilst working a full-time job how much could i do if i've got triple the amount of time Mm. um and so i probably quit you know a little bit early but the, the advice that i was given was um jump off the cliff and, and, and build the plane on the way down. So similar to, you know, moving to Liverpool, just stick yourself in that situation and then you'll, you'll figure it out because you've got yeah. no choice but to figure it out because you're falling, you know. So it, it was a piece of advice, yeah, that I remember specifically um, that, that 
was sort of the turning point um, to go, right, yeah, no, you know, fuck it, I'm going to just do it. <laughs> That's it, mate, isn't it? And how, how important was a coach to you, do you think, at that point? The right coach, um, I'd say, is invaluable. You know, um, you, you ha- it, it simply comes down to working out, you know, some people get stuck on, you know, oh, I don't want to pay that much for a coach. But it's a simple formula, and I've just taken on a new coach now, you know. Um, so I'm a big believer in having a mentor. Um, and it's simply working out, well, how much money do I think I could bring in with the help of this person, or either bring in or save. And just throwing figures out there, say your average coach is, is you know, three to 5K. You know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, we, we work in the property industry where there's either loads of money to be made or loads of money to be lost. So, three to five k, for example, is is an insignificant amount when it comes to the potential earning that you can have or the potential cost that you can have. So, um, Charlie was a, a great help in establishing goals. You know, really looking at uh, it methodically and breaking down well, how much you need to get to that point, and you know, just providing support throughout the way. Um, they're not going to do it for you, but um, the, the the guidance that I had was incredibly helpful at the time, for sure. Looking back on it, yeah. um, but the sourcing models, you, you know, it's changed a lot since when I when I started. Um, so mm-hmm. it's come a long way, you know, since doing that first deal um, to where I have. Like the, the the dynamic of it has changed a lot. Yeah. I think like you say there, having a coach just to bounce ideas off and sometimes just having a different different brain to give you a different perspective. Like I, I jumped on a call with someone recently and they give me like sort of KPIs to do and, and stuff like that. And that just blew it was such a simple task, but it blew my brain. The yeah. fact that like if you stick to this and the KPIs, you will get to here. It's just it's just yeah, it's just a formula. And it um, some some people you know, understandably struggle without goals and guidance um, and just, you know, keeping them on track. Mine was more strategy. You know, I, I, I have mentors to help, I think, personally for, for strategy. So, you know, time is my most valuable asset. So where what are the tasks that I should be doing and what tasks should I be divvying out, you know? And, and you, you need to choose a coach um, that has done what you want to do but similarly is not too far ahead either. Like there is a fine balance. You want someone who is maybe like three years ahead of you, say or two or two or three years ahead of you, not like, you know, really top, top coach, you know, necessarily say if you're just starting out, for example, you want them, you know, within a certain range yeah. so that their skills are, you know, they've more recently done what you're trying to do. If that makes sense. I completely agree with that, mate. Hundred percent. Yeah. You don't want someone who's sort of, you know, doing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. So let's talk about that one that I put an offering on. <laughs> I put the an offering on away. the one, the that, one got that got away, away mate. <laughs> so for anyone listening, the context: there was a property in Old Swan L thirty. Was it Old Swan? Old Swan, so, yeah. Old Swan L thirteen. What was the road called, now? High, Highfield. Highfield Road, yeah. I feel great. So I went to see this property and I fucking wanted it, mate. I wanted it badly. Did you like, it? I viewed it, yeah. Yeah. I viewed it. I think I'm sure I viewed it. It had a lifting, didn't it? It had a lift, yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about that, but I went to view this property in L13 and 
I think it was quite. Was it? It must have been like the start of the boom, was it? The start of like the. Uh, I think I had an offer accepted in in like February, February twenty twenty two, February March top time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it 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 was active. Yeah, like twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two were active years, yeah. weren't they? And t- you yeah. know, it started tailing off a little bit. Um, maybe at the end of twenty twenty two, or whenever it was, beginning of twenty twenty three. But yeah. It was a big yeah. market. It was it was a belter of a buy, mate, for you. So congratulations. But I tried to I put an offer. We I viewed it, put an offer in. They told me there was a few people offering. Yeah. Over the one, I weren't sure at the time because because I was an agent. I became so skeptical of all this best and final thing. Yeah. I, thought, I know what agents are like. They're, well, they're, if you'd have known someone from the same company had viewed it, you'd have probably been even more skeptical. But. <laughs> <laughs> did I read it? But they didn't help me out at all, you know. They no, they, un, you know, surprisingly little. At yeah, all, you know, um, and and the thing was, I I'd sold a house on that road, so I was yeah. confident on the values of that road. Yeah. Um, and so when it first went up, it, it 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 was being sold by a housing association, and so the housing association gets surveyor to value it, and for whatever reason, this this surveyor valued it at one ten. So it went up on the market at 110. So I'll, I'll give an insight on, on the numbers of the deal, if you like. So it went up on the market at 110. Um, I ended up buying it, I think. So I originally offered like 125. And then you'll be pleased. I, I then knocked it down after that, uh, <laughs> yeah, which you'll hate to hear. So I think I got it for like 121 in the end. Yeah. Um, but. My, my figures were based on an M value of 190 and refurb costs of like 32. Yeah. The refurb cost was about 50 in the end. 50. 50 yeah. Oh, uh, but the M value, I, I, I sold it for, for 220. Nice. So nice. You know, it's a bit of a mess, really. <laughs> the figures, yeah. if you look at it, you know, I was way off. But I think that, you know, I, I'm a bit of an advocate for. You know, sometimes people will over analyze the numbers and sometimes yeah. you just need to do the deal. And like in that instance, yeah, build prices went up and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, That's- I did a good job and I was, you know, I was very conservative on the end value and um, it, it was certainly worthwhile in the end. Yeah, it was a good deal. Yeah. I think um, yeah, I think I offered I think I offered one one eight and then I think I went to one twenty Um I remember dealing with the lady in there, and yeah, I remember going to one twenty, and I, I thought I've got to have got this because again, working an agent. Well, it was on people, at one ten, wasn't it? One ten, it, it was, was on. on yeah, one, and you've offered ten grand over. That's it. So I remember thinking at the time, I thought, I thought, like again, going back to the agent thing, I knew what people offered on the best and final at that sort of value. Yeah. So I kind of thought, obviously, you can't predict what what people are going to offer, but I thought there's no way many people are going ten k over. Yeah. So boom, ten k over. I don't even. I, I literally just went straight in with the ten k. Yeah. Um, and then I bet, I, when you, I bet when you saw it on my Instagram that you know that, what are the chances of this guy buying it. I know that's what it was like. I was like, I, I must have thought I, I followed you somehow, just because obviously you were local and you were in property, so I'd followed you. And then I remember thinking, I, it still bugged me that I didn't get the house. And I remember seeing you put it up saying like offer accepted. I thought, what the house range? <laughs> and then yeah, but to be honest, mate, I remember thinking at the time one eighty, one ninety. Yeah, yeah, I had one, I had one ninety. 
Yeah. But that time was a crazy time because I ended up buying something else after that. Yeah. Obviously, missed out on that one. You got it. Yeah. Fair play. Um, and I thought the valuation at the end value, got it for 90. I thought the end value would be like 125, 130. It wasn't a, wasn't a massive wasn't a massive deal. Um, and I ended up getting 152 for it because that time, mate, wow. the pocket just went yeah. crazy. But Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the market... It's it's impossible to time because when I bought that, you know, people were probably everyone was thinking, well, when's it going to crash? When's it going to crash? You know, yeah. And it comes back to the cliche that you know, that it's never a bad time to buy. Um, yeah, you might pay ten grand over the asking for it, but if you have the, I wouldn't call it foresight because I had my end value is, is one ninety, but um, you, you just need to be in the game and buy at the right price, and you know. Even if I'd have sold it for one ninety, there would have still been some profit in it, you know. Um, yeah, that's it. What did you end up doing with that lift then? <laughs> the lift, I ended up. Um, I just paid a labourer to get rid of it. Yeah, it it was um, it was music. It was bizarre. Yeah, I didn't have to get like. Um, I was. I think I actually called a lift company to to see if I had to get it removed, but I just paid my labourer to get rid of it. Yeah, it, it was it was a bit more straightforward than one would expect. <laughs> that house was mentally mine, mate. I remember telling someone that, um, oh, there's a lift in the house, and they were like, oh, you can get a few quid for that lift. The lift company will come pick it up. I was thinking, can I? Oh, yeah, let's four hundred quid back off my offer. That's fine. But yeah, mate, that's incredible, and in the end, a brilliant buy. And I knew, I knew that was a great buy from the off. But how come? Was, you, was your plan always to flip that property, or? Uh, yeah, I was just because the end value was 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 quite high. You know, one ninety um, doesn't really. You know, obviously, it was more than that in the end. Um, the value, but you know, one ninety, especially when the um, the rates started creeping up, it just didn't. Even when the rates weren't, you know, really high, it just didn't really make sense. The numbers. Um, and at that point I was intending to do BRRs, but, um, sometimes you just have to take whatever deal comes your way. And at that time where they were few and far between the deals, I thought, well, you know, let, let's just do it. Um, yeah. Especially at that time as well, mate, like you're saying, there's just, there was just, there wasn't many deals knocking about at that time. Yeah. That's why I was, that's why I was so gutted, I think when I, when I lost that one, cause I remember thinking like, there's not, there's nothing here. There's yeah. literally nothing. There's, there's plenty of stuff coming on, but because everything's selling so quickly, vendors are just instantly wanting more, and they're, and they're getting it. Yeah. So, like, there was no room for deals. I, I, I managed to get not long after the flipper done. I managed to get a director vendor one, and, and and that that worked really well. Yeah. Um, but it took you seven months to sell, didn't you? Have a couple of fall throughs with it. Yeah. So, um. I originally had an offer accepted and then it got downvalued. Um, so they're really? buying it with a mortgage. They're buying it at like two, I think it was 220, um, buying it with a mortgage and it got downvalued to 190. So a 30K down value when there were there was supporting evidence to support the two the 220, you know, in my mm-hmm. opinion anyway. So that buyer fell through. Then it sold to another, then it sold to a couple at like two. Two five, it then, and then it was going through with them, but they were in a chain, and then their buyer pulled out, sent it back to square one again. Um, but but then um, that buyer managed to find a buyer on on theirs. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was stressful, and um, 
you know, if I'd have been on a bridge for that deal, the, the refurb took six months, which was, was too long. And then the selling process took seven months. So there, there's 13 months. Um, mm-hmm. It was my first project. And with experience, I would have got it done quicker with that. But um, yeah, it, it took it took a long time on that one. Yeah, they, they do though, mate. Like I know, like t- touching on what you said before when you were saying, oh, you wanted to get out of work and do BRRs and stuff like that. They do take time. If you've got one pot of cash, you know, it's it's unrealistic to think you're going to get yeah. in, into the property, refurb and back out in under six months. If you're doing it in under six months, you're doing quite well, I think. Oh, yeah. Some things are out of your control, you know, and selling a property, there are some factors that are just simply out of your control. Um Look, it could have been done quicker. I, I can affect the refurb stage, but sometimes there's little you can do to affect the conveyancing stage. Um, yeah, and you have to be careful of that when it comes to bridging and when it comes to angel investors, yeah. Yeah. Another good thing about working in a state agency as well is obviously knowing, picking up who the best solicitors are by by working with them directly in the area. Like, you just, in, when you're in there, and you instantly know. Kind of like you said about an investor going in and, and People speaking about in the office if he was a nice fella or a nice woman or whatever, um, you sort of pick up who's an absolutely garbage solicitor and yeah. who's a great, which is a massive key learning. Hundred percent, um, mate. Yeah, they they can be they can be hard to find good solicitors sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, what was I going to say? I was going to say about the flips. Like, shout out to anyone who does flips like constantly as a strategy because that to me is it, it's I've, I've done one and. It's stressful enough being constantly panicking about is the buyer going to pull out? Yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm. Buyer- yeah, there's definitely a place for flips. Um, you know that there are a lot of good things about them, and and they do um, suit some instances. Um, but you know, there are with with any strategy, there are elements out of your control. Like a BRR, the valuation is out of your control. Um, but just just you just have to realize that the sales process is out of your control like a, a good friend of mine um he he has a he bought a um he did a flip with, with a, another investor um over the water actually um your, your sort of neck of the woods and um i know he struggled to sell it didn't sell it you know six months down the line no offer agreed on it sort of thing so mm. it, it goes to show that it's not always straightforward yeah yeah i know that i was looking through your post before and another thing you said which is if you're not if you haven't been an estate agency you kind of think this is a way of an estate agent trying to set trying to trying to pull the wool over my eyes but marketing a property at the right price like making sure that property when it's marketed is if you can the the, the lower price to gauge more traction because i remember when people were saying that to me when first joined and i say i was thinking what these, these are mad like why are you going to put it lower if you can get higher but i did i did i did realize yeah, once it's a fine so balance true. yeah it's a fine balance um people just need to remember that if you're you've got an estate agent coming around to value your house and you've got two others some estate agents strategies are to tell you an inflated price to try and win mm. your business like they'll try and sell you the dream and in actual fact your property is never going to get that but they're going to lock you in on a contract and you're going to have to just reduce it with them so people just yeah that's one thing to definitely look out for yeah yeah so with your deal sourcing them 
Callum, you're obviously not you're, you're not just your, your typical deal source. You do quite big ticket stuff, don't you? So, what are the, some of the deals that you are doing? Because I know you're doing maybe, you know, from fifty grand to multi million pound like blocks of flats. So, what yeah. are some of the deals that you're doing? Yeah. So the the, the deal sourcing sort of naturally progressed. Um, to be honest, I think I'm just lazy and. I don't like having to find really difficult deals to find, like BRRs. And, you know, I sort of try to work out what brings me the most money um, in the least amount of time. Um, and I, I sort of came to, to looking at the larger ticket ticket acquisitions. So we're, we're sort of talking um, blocks of apartments, you know, could, could, could just be four units or it could be, you know, the biggest bit of stock I've got at the moment, I've probably got a block of 44. It's bigger than that, you know, multi-million pounds up to like 100 million pound developments. Um, that's not to say, you know, I'm selling loads of those um, of that size, but I specifically, yeah, focus. I, I find myself generally in the, the sort of one to 10 million range these days. So yeah, blocks of apartments or it could be single let portfolios. It could be HMO portfolios do a little bit of work with purpose-built student accommodation as well um so yeah and that's generally in the northwest and the north and, and the, the student stuff is in in the student town so um that's generally what i focus on um and, and that finds me working with um you know my buyers are generally like uh, investment managers um investment funds real estate investment trusts so basically um pulled together money um from a variety of sources and institutions and I, I do work with private investors and and a lot of social housing developers and investors as well um mm -hmm. so yeah that that's generally what what that sort of looks like yeah is that a case of them coming to you and, and asking for a certain type of deal um it's a mixture so I, you know i i do a lot of um outreach um through a variety of sources to identify these buyers so generally more often than not i'm i'm, I'm reaching out to these buyers but um, i do get some buyers reaching out to me i find that I, I use linkedin quite a lot um and i leverage that sort of both ways trying to find buyers and trying to sell stock um yeah so a mixture of both them reaching out to me and me reaching out to them yeah interesting so what what are some of your goals then for for this year are you still are you still pursuing sort of acquisitions and stuff like that you're still purchasing yeah so th this year um i'm i'm looking at um i've got one in legals at the moment that i'm buying which is a hmo conversion I've, I've got a goal of buying three this year so hopefully get free in um potentially looking at uh, more creative structures like um title splitting um, with, with the sourcing, I, I want to have a you know a variety of options when deals come my way. Whether I buy it myself, whether I JV it, you know there are more creative structures than just charging a buyer's fee. You know, um, so looking at different options like that. Um, so on the acquisition side, yeah, hopefully another two this year. Um, and then on the sourcing side, the, the sky's the limit, really. Um, the this year is looking a lot more active. Last year was a lot slower on on the um, on the large acquisition side. I, I think I mentioned to you prior, but the current pipeline in agreed sales is at, is at about seven million at the moment. 
um, and, and you know we're only sort of two months in so mm. I really want to try and push that as, as far as possible this year yeah I'm sure you will mate I'm sure you will well I think that's an, um, a good point to end on Callum it's been, been a, a pleasure to have you on mate thanks so much for coming on I appreciate um, it Callum it's been, been no great problem. chatting with you no bother at all, mate. I enjoyed it. It was nice to speak to someone who's been an agent and, and understands sort of yeah. certain aspects of certain things. It's I, quite interesting to speak to someone. I think you've been smashing it recently, Callum. I, you know, I, I didn't really... Um, your name just started popping up a ridiculous amount over the past five months. I'm sure everyone else has noticed it as well, um, unless I was hiding under a rock before. But, um yeah, it's great to see you smashing it as well. So well done. A fellow Callum doing really well. <laughs> Thank you, mate. To be honest, it's only been the past, yeah, sort of three to four months. I've been I've been trying to put myself out there a bit more and I thought, you know what, just like just go for it. And it, it's starting to pay off. So hopefully I asked what it what, what what prompted that? Like what was it you know, was it was it an act was it, you know, a conscious decision to are you thinking, well, I'm not doing as well as I want to do now? going to just change it up or like it just seemed to I don't know it seemed to switch like that with the content yeah. and well, well I had I had a, I've had this page for years and I've just followed people like yourself um I followed all the property people um and I've seen everyone doing it and I've seen I kind of like I've I've been I've been into property for years I've always loved property since I got into estate agents I knew I wanted to be involved in property but and, and I've been I've been doing it for maybe three I've been doing it investing for say since 2020 sort of time and it's been, it's just been slow. It's just been majorly slow, like one, one purchase at a time. Um, and I thought, what is stopping me from that? And I, I, I knew it needed to be social media, but it was never about putting myself out there, putting, yeah. putting my face, face out there and stuff like that. And then recently I just thought, you know what? Fuck it, mate. Just, yeah. just help out there, engage with people, get a, get a podcast going, get people on, speak to like-minded people like yourself. Because it's hard, like... It's hard to be around. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the greatest networker. I I am confident and stuff, but I'm not the greatest of getting out there and going to networking events. And, yeah. and I think it's hard work as well to get out to them all the time. And yeah, yeah. I, I think you know you've done a great job, and um, you know there are several elements to it. And I think social media is more powerful sometimes than the actual networking events. But um, it, it you know in the grand scheme of things, um, you know you're a, a smart lad and. Um, you just got to bite the bullets and do things that you find difficult and it will become easy. Like it, it will get easier to get yourself in front of the camera. It doesn't come naturally to me either. Um, and, um, eventually it'll be like second nature as I'm sure it is. I'm sure the podcasts are getting easier and, and, uh, you know, it, it becomes yeah. sort of second nature eventually. That's it, mate. Speaking to people like one-on-one, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. And, and it, I just thought I need to get myself out there more and, and the podcast has helped that. Yeah. Um, Podcasters also, and being on socials and stuff and pushing that more. Yeah. Like I went to an event last night and I had people coming up to me, oh, you're Callum from, and that's just a conversation yeah, start. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier, but I know you've been on the camera for a while, mate. You're on Homes <laughs> Under the Camera, aren't you? Mate, don't, I, <laughs> don't even talk about that because I'll, I'll cringe at the videos that I used to post. I, I, oh, mate, I can't even look at them. And it was only like 18 months ago. <laughs> it's a belter, mate. But again, thank you so much to come on, mate. I had a, I had a great conversation with you there. I really, really found it interesting and, it's just it's just interesting to speak to someone who's local and, and had the same sort of experience as me and I'm sure you'll smash it, mate. You're doing really well with the source and, and appreciate it, mate. Thanks for having me. No problem at all, mate. Well thank you for coming on and I'll let you know when this starts. Top man. Thank you. All the best, Callum.